Jack Spierko with another edition of Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is April the 9th, 2013, and this is episode 1107 of the Survival Podcast, but it's also episode 1. Wait a minute. How can you possibly have episode 1107 also be 11, episode 1? Because it's not episode 1 of Survival Podcast. It's episode 1 of our Women in Prepping series. Uh, a while ago, I had a couple women kind of get on my case and say, Jack, you don't, you don't talk enough about women's perspectives and things like that. There's not enough female guests and whatever. I'm like, I don't know. I take all the guests that show up. Ladies, if you want to be on the show, fill out the guest form. And then like a bunch of you did. So over the next few months, we'll be bringing in uh, uh, several different women that responded to that call and uh, telling their viewpoints of prepping as, as mothers and as women and as parts of, uh, in many instances, married relationships. And even in some married relationships where we always think of like the woman as the reluctant spouse, right? And it's not the case. There's just as many, I think, women out there today that have reluctant spouses on the other side. So we'll... Uh, We'll have that conversation with a listener. We're simply going to call Karen. She prefers I don't give out her last name, so I'm happy to do just that. And we'll have that conversation in just a moment. Before we do, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. Sponsor of the day number one today, Ready Made Resources. There's not much more you can ask for from a company than for their name to say what they do and then have them do it, do it consistently, and do it all the time. That's what Ready Made Resources does. They provide all the resources you need for your prepping. Ready Made, ready to go. Point, click, buy on their website. Great service, great pricing, and lightning fast shipping from Ready Made Resources. Check them out today. And I do mean they have everything that you could possibly want for your prepping, every resource you can think of. From 12-volt stuff to go with your solar and wind projects to the solar and wind stuff to gardening stuff to tactical stuff to practical stuff to long-term food storage stuff, including stuff to make your own food into long-term storage food or stuff like Mountain House, Alpine Air, etc., the you know, pre-prepared long-term food storage items. Everything you can think of at readymaderesources.com. Next up today, bulkammo.com. Um, Did you see what happened with ammo prices for a few months when everybody freaked out? They're starting to come down, and they're starting to equalize. And it's a good time to start looking at what you want to stock up on now. And one of the best places you can find to get great deals on ammo is BulkAmmo.com. Check them out today. They have good deals on all the common calibers. And I'll tell you what, even when the pricing got insanely high, this is what I can say for bulk ammo. You could still get it. And that was impressive. Basically, I talked to the owner, Dustin, and he said they were doing whatever they had to to make sure that they could fill orders. And that meant that there was a high premium price for a while, but you know what? You could get it. That's a commitment to making sure you're serving your customers. Check them out today at Bulk Ammo. Dot com. Uh, next up, want to remind you guys about Walking to Freedom, and I'd like to tell you, um, you know, we keep talking about the naughty list, and one state that's definitely going to make it is New York. And I got two stories about New York last night that it just explain why we're doing Walking to Freedom, why some states have clearly decided that they're 
people are just, you know, just to be used and abused, and their rights don't apply, uh, and that the rights of, in one case, corporate entities are more important than the rights of individuals and citizens, and even the rights of animals. So I put both of these stories, one this morning on Facebook and the other last night. So one story is basically... There are animal rights activist groups out there, and some of these people are nuts. We'll just say that. We'll just admit that some animal rights activists are nut jobs, but a lot of them aren't. They're just people doing the best they can so that people can be informed about what's going on. So recently we've had uh, these these groups tape what was going on behind closed doors at these facilities and release it, uh, abuse of animals specifically in this article in Iowa, Tennessee, and Wyoming. And when these things came to light, all three states went after the people doing the harm to the animals. I'm not going to read the article. You can read it yourself. I'll put a link to it in today's show notes. Um, what does the state of New York want to do? They want to make it freaking illegal for you to video the abuse. And, and this is like, okay, I will read one part of the article to you because you need to hear this. Because if I don't read it for, and this is in the New York Times, okay? This isn't on like some tin hat, you know, conspiracy theory blog. This is in a New York Times, uh, uh, newspaper. So here's an exact quote out of the, uh, article. One of the group's model bills, the Animal and Ecological Terrorism Act, prohibits filming or taking pictures on livestock farms to defame the facility or its owner. Violators would be placed on a terrorist registry. So New York, pending law, it would put you on a terrorist registry because you videotaped somebody abusing a cow and made a public knowledge. You're a terrorist. State of New York. Okay, here's another one. A uh, guy's kid goes off to school, and uh kid gets in some kind of shoving match or whatever, and him and some of his buddies start talking about shooting the other kid with a BB gun or a squirt gun. Teacher calls the police and said there's a kid with a gun ready to go. Like we got an active shooter situation about to happen. Kids get interrogated by the school. All kinds of hoopla goes on because this kid was going to squirt the other kid with a squirt gun. No brains. If that was where it stopped, though, hey, you know, it's a sensitive area. You got to be sure, whatever. Wah. Okay, how about this? The the father of the kid is a licensed gun owner in the state of New York, and the state went in and revoked his license and took his guns away. If you live in the state of New York at this point and your plan is to stay, I have to ask you why. I do not understand. I do not understand the, the 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 state has lost its collective mind and i keep hearing from people when i talk about walking to freedom say no we should go to new york and fight yeah good luck with that the place is gone it's turning into a socialist hellhole along with its brothers illinois massachusetts and california the reason i bring this up is i wanted to remind you guys yet again today about the walking to freedom project please get on over to walking to sign up and start talking to other folks remember you don't have to want to walk to be part of the project you just have to be willing to help others do it there's a whole country here and there's 50 states and none of them are perfect but a lot of them are a hell of a lot better than the people that are the worst It's time to take the last vote in the republic and put it to work. States that are destroying their own economies and taking away the lives of their own citizens do not deserve those citizens' money, time, and talent. Leave. 
Walk to Freedom. Go to New Hampshire and be part of the Free State Project. Come here to Texas. I'll show you around and help you find a freaking job if I can, depending on what you do. But go somewhere else. These states do not deserve their best and brightest citizens. The Republic was built on freedom of movement. Let's make it happen. Let's create thousands of human interest stories, thousands of letters to states saying, this is why I'm leaving. That's what Walk to Freedom is all about. And I'll tell you what. Uh, we're voting on the naughty list now. Uh, please come on over and vote before the t chance to vote this year expires. Get on over there. You'll see an organization and structure board. Go in there and uh, look up the polls and you know vote while you can because the polls will close soon and the list will be established and then people will be like I don't know why this was this way or whatever well, did you vote no well then you know you had your time we'll be voting again next year as we revise the list for future generations okay anyway walkingtofreedom.com is how you can be part of this initiative last but not least do consider joining the member support brigade hey if you do that you'll get exclusive content Available only to members, and you'll help support the show at a whopping 18.3 cents per episode. Military, law enforcement, Peace Corps, and first responders like paramedics, EMTs, uh, firefighters, all of you guys qualify for a service discount. Simply email me with service discount in the subject line, and then in the body of the email, give me your name, tell me who you are and what you're doing, or who you are and what you did, one or two sentences. Uh, if you're prior service, tell me what you did in the past, active duty, what you're doing now, and I'll send you a discount code to thank you for your service. I have a couple important things to point out about this. Do it before, not after you join. Let me say that one more time. Do it before you join. If you join and then ask for the discount, I can't do it because you've already completed the transaction. It's a real pain in the butt. Number two, please email me, jack at the survivalpodcast.com is my email, and put service discount on the subject line. Don't make up your own subject. Don't use the contact form, what have you. It's a lot more likely you'll end up in the spam box that way, and I won't respond. You'll think, Jack's a jerk. He said he'd give me a discount, and the, I emailed that jerk twice now, and he's never responded. I might not find it in the spam box if it goes in there, and a lot of times, for some reason, emails like this do... All of the little things I give you for how to do your subject line is so when I go into my, my junk folder, which will have like 800 emails in it today, I can search for certain terms, and that way I can pull all of that stuff back out and do my best job of responding to you guys. It's not just because I'm some jerk that wants things my way. I'm trying to make sure I don't let anything slip through the crack. That has the same thing with, you know, the article for Jack, you know, video for Jack formula for the feedback shows and stuff like that. That way I always find it. But if you go use the, you know, billing problem form at the MSB, I might not find it. I'm telling you guys, this is the way to do it. Email is always the best way to get a hold of me. A lot of you guys sometimes, uh, you want to get a hold of me? So you send me a message on LinkedIn. I put a priority of about zero on LinkedIn. Um, I have connections there. Occasionally I'll go look somebody up there to find them or whatever, but, bleh. or you'll send me a private message on Facebook or something like that. Email me and I will respond if I have the ability to based on volumes and things like that. But I will see it if you email it. I promise you. I know I'm beating that one up today. And just because recently I've had people that were upset with me because they didn't do that and then they wanted to know why they never heard, heard back. Okay. Anyway, with that all wrapped up, I wanted to yeah throw a few kicks in at New York State, which is pretty easy to do. Um, let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's show. Again, uh, my guest today is Karen. 
she's someone that uh, moved from uh, kind of an urban environment in Philadelphia to a rural area in New York, and that was some other things kind of led her to the prepping lifestyle. And uh, she's here to talk about to, uh, that to us today is uh, the leadoff hitter in the Women of Prepping series. And with that, hey, Karen, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thanks, Jack. How are you today? I'm great. I understand you're getting your car fixed while this is going on. So thanks for making the effort to still be here with us. Of course. You're worth my time. <laughs> so, hey, I was looking over your notes. You you are the first person when I said, because yeah, I had all these people saying, well, you have more women on. I'm like, come on, girls, let's go. Get on the show. Fill out the form. You were the first one that did. So you get to uh, to be the leadoff batter in what I'm going to call our Women of Prepping series. But when I was looking at your notes that came in, you are a self-described diva. So oh, absolutely. Eva gets started in prepping. Well, see, the problem was I'm a well city dweller in Philadelphia. Um, my husband, who got a job at the state of New York and accepted it, made a decision, but anyway, um, moved me up to New York. Um, I was not moving from one city to the next. So he decided we were going to move to some place called Pine Bush. Now, if you take the time and you Google Pine Bush, you'll understand what Pine Bush is all about. It's supposedly the national UFO sighting capital of America. Yeah, lucky me. Well, in the meantime, I had like all these Mayberry dreams about, you know, doing everything all natural and he was going to be making enough money that I could stay home. So... Doing all this, we lived through Irene and now Sandy, and I realized going through these things that I actually needed to improve um, the way we lived. Um, when we first moved up here, we didn't have a generator. Um, our house flooded. In fact, unfortunately, our septic backed up into the house, and I cannot even explain to you how disgusting and gross and awful that is. So I actually learned from our mistakes. So it was being unprepared and then actually having to face the consequences of it that kind of turned you toward being prepared. Yes, exactly. So in spite of this from your notes, I also see that your husband's not really fully on board with this. Oh, no. He thinks I'm crazy. (laughs) So wait a minute, wait a minute, wait. The septic backed up into the house. You had no power and you're crazy for prepping? Well, now yeah, I've kind of, like, gone to, I guess he would say, more extremes. Like, uh, we have water, and we have, like, a lot of food, and, you know, we don't buy canned meat. I kind of can it ourselves, so, like, he thinks, like, I don't know, like, there's something wrong with me. <laughs> because you make sure that your family's well-fed and watered. Wow, that's that's crazy. Um, so I guess well, you, you know, think- the supermarkets will always be open, and that... And, the shelves will always be stocked. You didn't know that? I remember recently seeing stores that had lots of stuff, but you couldn't go inside them. And then I remember seeing stores you could go inside them with no stuff in them. So maybe that's not... No, not in his world. I see. I see. Mm -hmm. See, this is unique to me because when I started this show, um, I expected there would be a female contingent of the audience. When I look at the the demographics now, I, I realize it's at least forty percent. It's it's close to a, a half, um, which is surprising to me because I really and I, you know I didn't even really think about it in the beginning. I thought this would be a male dominated audience, but it seems to me 
the women are becoming more and more in touch with this reality, and it, it's a lot of times it's the guys that don't get it. Oh yeah, surprisingly yes, surprisingly yes. And considering where m- my husband comes from, I'm supo- I'm surprised, very surprised that he is not more like me because he grew up without food, and food wasn't always available in the stores. But he's been here 20 years, and I just think that this is a land of plenty, so he just thinks that it's always going to be there. Huh. And, of course, he doesn't go shopping, so what would he know, right? Yeah, and I wonder if people that come from that background come from an angle of, like, they just don't want to go back there. They, that's like, you know, it's it's a a regressive thing or something that they don't want to think about the the tougher times that they went through as kids and they just really want to believe that that no longer applies to them. No, I think they think that they survived it and that, you know, it all worked out in the end. Like it's a, like a crap sheet. Well, you know what? You don't win craps, you know? <laughs> like if you, after school, you played craps, forget it. You lost your money. So uh, I imagine then there's maybe some things that you do and do not tell him about your prepping. Hmm, let's see. I applied for my pistol permit, and in New York, that, oh my gosh, that was a story in itself. <laughs> and the reason I had, oh my God, I, I don't think they're going to deny me, because the reason I told them, and this is a true story about why I wanted my pistol permit, is hysterical. And I know when I go through in front of one of these judges, because you need a judge to say, okay, you may now own a pistol. And, oh, do you want to be able to carry to field? And why? So I have this fantastic story, which is a true story when we first moved here, about why I need one. I, I had said that I wanted to, like, go back, so I decided I was going to hang out wash. And I don't know if you ever live in the city, but we always have these shopping carts, these metal ones with these big wheels that we take grocery shopping with us so we can walk home with the groceries. And I would put the laundry basket on there. I went out of the garage door and walked around to the back to where the clothes line was hung between two trees. And I heard this horrible noise coming from underneath the deck. And our deck has, like, a lattice, so it's not like you can see directly underneath there. It's kind of enclosed. And, of course, I'm curious. I'm wondering what it is. I'm just stopping there staring. And the biggest, most enormous <laughs> raccoon came out chasing me. Oh, wow. And it was making these horrible noises, standing up in a time lag with, like, the comedy movies, but it wasn't comical. I was scared. Okay. So I ran around to the door, and guess what? I locked it because where am I from? The city. Yeah. I could not get back into my house. I'm screaming. I live rural enough that no one heard me. My husband's in the house couldn't hear me. And I literally ran around the house three times, and I'm not kidding you, three times before I remembered the stupid key was in my pocket because, of course, I'm from the city, and I wouldn't leave my house without the key. Okay. <laughs> so I get into the house. My husband doesn't believe me. He sees it. He tells me to call animal control, which there's not up here. There is no animal control. So I call the police department, and I ask them, like, what should I do? And they're like, take your gun out and shoot it. I'm like, we don't own a gun. We're from Philadelphia. And he starts laughing <laughs> on the phone. And I said, oh, my gosh, where, did I, where in the world did I move to? Not only do we have UFOs, we have people that have, like, guns. And so 45 minutes later, because, of course, they got another call and they had to go there, he, the police officer comes. 
And by this time, I'm in the house, and my husband's out, you know, holding the raccoon down because I didn't want to get to my neighbor's animals. And I hear the gun go off. And I thought, oh, there goes Ricky the raccoon because we waited so long we named it. And then the gun went off again, and I thought, oh, he shot my husband while he was at it. I came running out. Point blank range, the man missed the raccoon that was being held down by a forked branch, a.k.a. a small tree, by my husband. And I thought, yeah, after hearing all your shows and other people's shows, I thought, you know what? I don't really feel warm and fuzzy about my police officers knowing the rookie story four years ago. <laughs> so he missed a pinned-down animal at point blank range. This is a highly trained <laughs> member of law enforcement community. Um, I don't know if you saw the picture I posted earlier this week. At least he wasn't sitting on the barrel of his uh, pump shotgun, so it could have been worse. Oh, my gosh. Well, was, I think the guy was in South Africa, but it was a cop, and he he was basically using his shotgun as a stool. He had the muzzle of the barrel between his cheeks, and he was resting on it like a stool. Oh, my gosh. Wait a minute. This story even gets better. You know what? He says, I can't dispose of this for you. And, of course, we don't know what to do with it because there's no mean, animal control. The way it's acting, it's probably rabid. Wait, yeah, of course it was. Of sure. course it was. And you know what he told us to do? Take it in our trunk, in a trash bag. A contractor bag would be best because they're thicker, his exact words. And he didn't tell us to do that, but fill in the woods somewhere. And I thought, okay, I'm in the medical profession. And mm, I know raccoons don't come out at night. I'm not that stupid. But lo and behold, I don't think I should throw this into the forest or the woods somewhere and have something else eat it. Like, that sounded bizarre to me. No, that would probably be wrong. I I think if you have a rabid animal, uh, it, it actually should be turned over to some level of health authorities for verification. And then nobody wants to come get it. Mm-mm. My neighbor dug a and, hole, put gasoline on it, and, and set it on be, fire. That would be the alternative. If you can't turn it over, it should be buried because <laughs> the rabies is transmitted through bodily fluids like blood. Uh, and saliva, and that if another animal is to consume that specifically, you know, it, it has a at least a chance of then being spread. That, that. I know. So there, there's a unique reason for needing a means of protection other than somebody breaking into your home. Um, there you go. And 45 minutes of response time. And if your husband hadn't been there and that animal hadn't been subdued, it might not just be a danger to you, but to others and to other people's animals and to other children. I had that animal subdued first. Uh Uh-uh, no way to back up, rewind, not to say that my husband's not a good guy. But no, (laughs) I got it down first. And I mean, raccoons can be some pretty um, aggressive animals. Uh, they're they're pretty tough creatures. I've I've seen the, I've seen the results of a, a coon hound going after one in water and, and almost drowning the dog. So um, they can be a, a serious threat. In addition to the fact that you've got a rabies threat. Is I mean, there's there's a chance it wasn't rabid that there was some other thing wrong with it. But that's like you know a ninety percentile or higher that that behavior is the behavior of a rabid animal, and especially with the raccoons. They're known as a rabies carrier. Oh, I had no idea. Thanks. <laughs> yep. Maybe I'll get my gun by next year. Maybe. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, oh, you don't, even know, you don't even know the process up here. You have no, no, no. idea. 
Wait no, a minute. when I want a gun, to... I just go buy one and they give it to me and I take it home. You know what? You need to stop it right now because I can't get to the phone and choke you. <laughs> but you could buy like a shotgun or a long gun without all that crap, couldn't you? Hmm. Yeah. Well, sort of, kind of, but not really. Sort of, kind of, but not really. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not. If they were on the shelves, maybe I could, but not here. Maybe y'all need to move to Texas and walk to freedom. That would be cool. I'd love to have y'all down here. Hey, it's hot. It's hot down in Texas. Are you nuts? Yeah, you can tell me how hot it is, but uh, get, call me up in February. <laughs> and when I'm sitting outside barbecue, and we could talk about the weather then. Uh, seriously, though, um, you guys, you've made some real changes. Um, I see in your notes here also, uh, you guys are going to be debt-free in 2013, knocked out 37 k in debt. How? Oh, my gosh. Oh my, probably not because we've run into some like difficulties like with our cars and my daughter graduates from college this year and my son decided to get sick and our insurance lapsed and maybe not quite 2013, but that was the goal. I got you. I might be like five, I'm thinking five at at the most right now, but I, I will find a way to try to get rid of that five. That's awesome. I mean, even if so, that's paying off to here than thirty two k and and having five more to carry into next year. That's awesome. But um, how does it feel knowing that you're making that progress? Um, it feels like a long haul. I can't like <laughs> explain it. It's like sometimes it feels never ending, and then sometimes I feel like, oh my gosh, this is almost over. And it's like a, a roller coaster of emotions. I can't wait till it's done. completely and utterly done and then we'll decide what we need to do because right now for healthcare there's not a whole lot out there you mean obamacare didn't fix everything for you no obamacare might get me laid off (laughs) i'm sorry to laugh because i i'm I'm not laughing at you personally i'm just laughing no i'm not taking offense believe me if i was offended you'd know about it okay So the debt freedom aspect is the is the old man on board with that, or is that crazy too? When I had the credit card fee. Ah, uh, okay. <laughs> Things get missing, and we keep having to get new credit cards. We have to keep calling the company because we lost them. We are the craziest family ever. I'll tell you, um, I saw one guy, I was either on TV or online, and they decided, the one spouse decided, we absolutely have to have a credit card in case of emergencies. And mm-hmm. the other one, I don't remember if it was the man or the woman that, that had the case of it, you know, wanting to keep it. So the other one said, fine, we'll have it for emergencies. And they took the credit card, and they filled the Tupperware container with water, stuck the credit card in the water, and froze it solid in the ice. And said, "If we, there's no emergency that we'll ever need this for, that we can't wait for it to defrost." So it made it a little more difficult to grab it and use it. And uh, I thought that was kind of a creative way to tie up an asset, so to speak. Yeah, but you don't need an actual credit card anymore, no. Jack. You just need the numbers and the numbers on the back. Yeah. And if you're highly intelligent, and my husband is, those numbers can stay in your head for a long time. Wow. All he needs to do is look at the numbers. And then he's got it. So, I mean, like with that kind of stuff, he is really sharp. But he doesn't think that our country, I guess because where he's from, our country is not going to be as bad ever as where he came from. So he's happy here. Okay. Where is he from then? 
Jamaica. Oh, that's right. That's what you said. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is that the country doesn't have to go down the tubes for the individual lifestyle to have a, a major problem. People lose jobs all the time. I mean, you just said Obamacare mm-hmm. could get you laid off. I, it's why I always try to start with people from the angle of, don't you understand your own life could be disrupted? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Completely and utterly exactly. But, you know, I have other things that I do, too, so I might be okay, but I need to get rid of that debt to be fully okay. Well, I'll tell you, it is hard when you're doing it. We went through it ourselves many years ago, and there's two wonderful things that happens when it's done. All of a sudden, number one, you have this stuff called money again. And you have mm-hmm. more money than you've ever had in your life because not only do you not have to use the money to pay the debt, you also don't have the debt disposing of the money. So that's that's nice. The other thing, though, is the experience does suck going through it. And when mm-hmm. you come out the other side of it, because it sucked, you don't go back into it. Because I, I've, I've seen people take like a home equity loan, discharge credit debt, and I understand the mentality, hey, I can deduct the interest, it's lower interest rate, on and on. There's all these mathematical reasons for it, but that person almost inevitably ends up in as much or more debt than they started out with the first time. But oh, when you that go, is so true. When you go through it and pay it off, it kind of requires sacrifice and a little bit of suffering. And, and the other end of that debt spectrum is, now that I'm free, I'm not going back to jail. It's like... It's like the prison convict that comes out of prison that's actually reformed and says, I ain't going back there again. Right, right. And when people say it's a form of slavery and other people are like, no, it's not, no, it's not. Yeah, yes, yes, you are a slave. Because let me tell you, you are working for somebody else and they're making money off all your little ticky-tacky purchases. And when you look back and you don't know what you have for that debt, that's really disgusting and sickening, you know? And people, I don't know how many people are in that situation. So they don't even know what they spent the money on. They owe 20 grand. Exactly. And exactly. you say, what'd you what? buy? And they know they bought a TV and a couch, but that only makes up about 3000 And the other 17 grand, they, they don't even know what they bought with it. Right, exactly. Exactly. When I used to work down in Manhattan, I used to commute from up here in the Catskills down into Manhattan because that was the only job I could find here when we first moved here. And I used to have a two and a half hour commute one way. Okay. I used to see people buying packs of gum with like a Visa and MasterCard and it was not a debit card. It was an actual credit yeah. card. Yeah. And I thought to myself, these people don't have money. <laughs> They're not doing it for the convenience of not having cash in their sure. pocket. They don't have money. My patients would tell me they had paid four and five thousand dollars for rent, and I had to go to one patient's house one time because they were very, very sick. And I tell you what, they lived in in my bedroom. They they had a kitchen, uh, a, a small like table and a bed and they paid more than my mortgage and I think we pay a ton of money and I said why do you live like that and they're like this is the cheapest thing I could find and I'm like yeah I'll just give me two and a half hours for as long as I have to but this is crazy like how much is that yeah yeah there's and there I mean that's that's what this economy has brought that people will end up sacrificing massively on one side of the spectrum and then just waste anything that they've gained on the other. 
uh, and erode it with debt and then say stupid things like, but, uh, you know, debt is okay when there's inflation and you just, and there are people that at some point you just go, I, I can't, I can't help you because you don't want help here. You want to believe in this, this, this deal. I got one for you and it'll make you feel better about your situation a lot better because this is, this is where it goes to the extreme. My wife has a friend and, uh, she's married to a guy that's a fireman. And he's mm-hmm. going to get a retirement, okay? So he's spending money like water right now that they don't have. And his plan is when his retirement comes, he will just take a lump sum instead of the, the, the monthly payment, and he will take his retirement and pay off all his debt. And then he won't have any more debt, so don't worry about it. Yeah, but then he's not going to have anything to live on either. I mean, yeah, right? But this is this guy's actual plan. Like when you oh my somebody God. actually state a plan that way, you're like, this is, and you're go, and you're also looking at the guy going, okay, this guy's like 38. He's like a long way from his retirement yet, and there's a lot of debt between that and now. There's no guarantee with the way this guy's spending money. It's even going to work, you know, if you even want to call it working the way he plans. So I guess his plan is he'll use his retirement from being a fireman to pay for the debt and then live on Social Security, which we can also maybe not really be really in, you know. Uh, what, I mean, uh, uh, hello. That's not. No, hello. That's not going to be there. Hello. <laughs> I, and I, no. I mean, there's a lot of people living like this. So, I mean, obviously, on some levels, you kind of woke up to the reality of rural living uh, or semi-rural living, and, and part of that impetus to become more prepared. But on the debt side of things, what what is it that really kind of shook you awake on that? Well, the, see, I actually know where my uh, debt money came from. Um, my son was born, my, my youngest son was born a preemie, and uh, the nurse actually made a fatal mistake, and my son vomited, aspirated, and had a little stroke. So I chose, even though we couldn't afford it, but no one can take better care of your child than the parent, so I chose to stay home knowing we were going to probably accumulate some debt, like blow through our savings and um, probably have to raise up credit cards. So we kind of know where our money went. Like it went to like electric, it went to um, putting propane gas in, um, gas in the car, uh, food on the table. So it's not like it's, we were like consumed sort of kind of, um, it, if I look back and really think about it, it feels almost worth it. Sometimes when I'm paying those bills, I think, oh, my gosh, no, it wasn't. But we actually kind of know where our money went. Sure. And you had a life event that put you in, in, a, in a serious situation where you had to make do with the situation. And oh, it, yeah, my furniture is from the 70s, and we have a TV from the 90s. Like, like we're not spendthrifts. Gotcha. Like my car is very old and stuff like that. Like no, we kind of know where our debt came from, but even even that, like God forbid, like I tell my oldest daughter who's twenty one, like you need to be able to afford to stay home. Like if anything, God forbid, happened and you had children, you need to afford to stay home because that was a huge eye opener to me. Huge. Like who ever yeah. thought like something like that could happen. I mean, who feeds a baby and then lays them down flat? I mean, who does that? Yeah, it's it, it, and see, it's always something that hits people that's never what, let's say, survivalists generally talk about. And that's why I try to stay really grounded with let's first prepare the family to deal with family-level family, family level, 
uh, disasters because they're the most common. And there's, there's, and you just gave an example of one that, you know, I've never even heard it quite that way before, but there's a hundred other stories in, that are similar in ways that mm-hmm. have taken people off at the knees. And this is why I'm, I'm actually surprised. You know, at the beginning, I was surprised at how many women were involved. And when I start looking at it wholesale, now I'm actually the other way around. I actually think women should make up the majority of preppers because I think women are generally more in touch with things like care of children and things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. My my car, I work in a multi-practice specialty now, so I only work like 20 minutes from him. And... People from my work, if they forget their lunch, like we have to bring our own water, um, you know, if God forbid they need like, you know, menstrual stuff, it's all in my car. Um, uniforms, like God forbid if anything happens to your uniform, it's in my car. I don't know how many times people have come and said, can I borrow your keys? And I know what they're doing. Like, you have no idea. And I drive a Chevy Impala. It's not like I have a big, you know, SUV car. It's, I mean, it's, so don't get me wrong, Chevy Impalas have huge, huge trunks. Sure. But it's in there. And it's all in bins, and you kind of know what color bin goes to what. And, I mean, I could take you pictures and, and you know, show you because it's, like, hysterical. Like, I, I have everything you want. I actually have extra socks and shoes in there. I don't know why, but I'm doing it for a reason. Well, you're doing it because it makes sense to have redundancies in your life. I mean, your your husband's been resistant to this. Have you had uh, interactions with other people that maybe they've started to take this a little bit more seriously and do it for themselves? Or have you had oh my gosh. with friends that tell you basically you're nuts? I mean, or both? Well, I had a friend who told me I was nuts. And then that stupid dude to the proper show came on, which I laugh hysterically at. Sure. He came on, and he kind of got into it. It's like my best friend's husband. We were friends since we were four, so I call him my brother, even though we're not, like, blood-related. And he got into it, and he feels so overwhelmed. He's like, well, how did you get all that? Well, I have a first aid kit because I used to do Girl Scouts, and that's why my first aid kit is so huge. And, yeah, I used to work in the OR, so this is why I have, like, all these sutures and gloves and stuff like that. When I had to go to people's homes, I would have to sew them back up sometimes if they broke their sutures or whatever. So that's you, – you go baby steps. Like, I always had – you know, medical stuff, you know, since my son was little, I always had snacks and drinks and food in the car. Like that was okay. But you know what? Now I have like a two gallon, you know, canister for God forbid, if we need gas, I don't know, we'd have to walk because I don't think it's safe to have gas in the car, but you know, maybe they'll come up with a container that can, I have no idea, but this is why I think women are not looked at as so crazy, but he feels very overwhelmed because now he's on board and he's got one of those huge Liberty safe safe has all these guns and ammunition in it. And I open up his freezer and it was ice cubes. I said, yeah, you're going to survive. <laughs> what, what was this? He has like a, this huge Liberty safe with uh-huh. all this guns and okay. ammunition and everything. And when I opened their freezer, the big chest freezer, it had ice cubes in it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're going to survive. 
<laughs> See, and there is that too. And I think that's part of what creates a stigma for women is when guys do get into it and they do have the honey, we should be more prepared conversation. The first thing the guy always wants is guns. And you know me, I'm not against the concept of, of owning weapons and having a means of defense. And you just gave a, a great story at the beginning of the interview of why it makes sense to do so. But there has to be this more balanced approach. And I think a lot, a lot of women get sidelined because the guy wants to use it as an excuse to buy every tactical and outdoor product he's ever wanted instead of actually taking a methodical look at reinforcing the resiliency of the family unit. Exactly. Exactly. Like when you travel with the RFA, how often do you stop for food? Like if you, I mean, you can if you want to, but do you need to? I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you said there. I said when you travel with the RFA, right? Yeah. How often do you have to stop for food? I mean, you can if you wanted to. Like if you wanted to sit down in a restaurant, sure. but do you have to? No. I mean, I just came back from a week away with my son. We went home to Philadelphia went to Lancaster, and my mom was amazed. She was like, well, what's for breakfast? I'm like, right here. She was like, well, what's for um, dinner? Right here. No, we go out to lunch because it's cheaper. She couldn't believe it. Like, I had a crock pot, had, like, all these frozen meats and stuff, um, refrigerated ones for the first day, stuff that was, like, rock hard that I actually had to leave out of my cooler for when we came back so it would be ready to cook for the next day because, you know, crock pot's, like, seven hours of cooking. Sure. So, yeah, I mean, like, really, you, we, I lied to you not, we had the best time, and I spent maybe $125 cash for a week's vacation. Yeah, and that included I, I a time to completely. Get. When we, I mean, there's, there's points where it's, it's hard to travel with food, but even when you get there, you can secure it. Like, when we go and take our vacations in Florida, part of the reason we can afford to take as long a vacation as we do is the first place we go from after the airport is the grocery store. And then we stay in a place that has things where we can cook. And and that right. actually lets us enjoy our vacation more because I'm not waiting 40 minutes for a table while I'm supposed to be on vacation relaxing. Right. And if you're going to Walt Disney World, forget it. Like, oh, yeah. pack sandwiches and eat there once. Like, I don't know, like, there's a girl down there now, and she just put on Facebook how much they spent in food, and I was like, duh. But you have a car rental. You have you have a room with not only a small refrigerator, but a microwave and a coffee pot. Are you kidding me? Why are you spending so much money? And yeah. this is somebody who complains that they want to buy a house and stop renting. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, you really want that, don't you? And Disney, spending, what, they've been down there three days? over $500 for two people for food because it's basically hot. I guess it's hot down there and they're buying like a lot of drinks. It's four and 500, I mean, four and five dollars. Oh no. Yeah. For a Coke or whatever, which is toxic. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is part of the problem in America today that people see the solution as just spend, spend for the solution and and don't really even consciously think about things like this anymore. And I think the debt issue is directly related to it because you know, there's a pretty good possibility that that $500 worth of overpriced Cokes, pretzels, and hot dogs was spent with credit cards. Mm, I don't think I don't think they're approved for credit cards. Oh, okay. I'm gonna go with no. <laughs> okay. Ouch. Wow, that's even worse in a way. Um, <laughs> So, it's I mean, horrible, right? 
what what do you think would wake up more reluctant spouses on either spi- side of the the spectrum? I know if you knew the perfect answer, you would have already done it with your husband. But I mean, are there things that like let's say this happened differently? Let's say that you weren't the one that kind of realized all this, and let's say your husband did. What do you think before you were doing it on your own could have been said to you that maybe would have broken through the ice, so to speak, and got you headed down the road in the right direction? How how would you advise a husband that's prepping to speak, you know, start that conversation with his wife? Well, here's the thing. When I really look back to my childhood, my grandma raised me, and she was a PA duchy. And you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? Yep, I do. So, um... So she was, you know, directly either was exposed to, like, Amish or was Amish descent of some sort. I'm not exactly sure, but definitely German. And I remember her canning and doing all this stuff. So when I, you know, um, left, of course, you know, I was paid very well. And, of course, I spent, you know, money, especially in the 90s. But when I look back and I look at my grandmom's life, and I look back at pictures of her, her furniture might have been beat up, and her, you know, blankets on her bed were made from, like, old clothes, like, made from quilts, like, the fabric wouldn't have been from, like, a fabric store or anything like that. But every picture of my grandmom was always smiling. Every picture, like, even not only the pictures that were taken with camera, but when I think back on the memories, she was always smiling. And I know being under debt or trying to keep up with the Joneses and having the new, newest cell phone and, like, working as many hours as I do does not make me happy. And I think if people realize to when you're prepared and you don't need to spend all that extra money, um, like, I had known people during Sandy that ran out and bought, like, generators on credit cards that they're still paying off. If, when you're prepared and you save up and you buy things a little at a time, you find that happiness. You, It's not in stuff, but it's in the people around you and the memories. And I think if, if we could convey that to people, then they'd be more on board to prep and be prepared. And, you know, survivalism is not, you know, just being a rainbow. It's being able to live, you know, having a house, having a roof over your head that you're not going to worry about being repossessed or a way of being able to transport yourself to and back to wherever it may be, if it's a job or maybe you you have a job like Jack Spirico and, you know, you don't have to travel to work, but you can if you want to, and you're not in debt, and you're not worried about, all right, do I have enough money for, you know, this month and next month? You have that freedom. You have that happiness. And you know what? So my furniture is from the 70s, and you know what? My TV is from the 90s. I don't care because when this is done, I will not be in debt ever again. I want that happiness. And I think if we can convey that, then that would be the ultimate thing to make people understand why they need to prepare. I mean, this is survivalism. I know people are kind of laugh at me and say, oh, she don't know what she's talking about and blah, blah, blah. But guess what? Use what you have. 
I laugh at some of these bug out bags because they're ugly and green, and there's no way Jack Spirico I'm, I'm carrying that. <laughs> but I have this beautiful bag next to me. It used to be Louis Vuitton, but because we're in debt, I sold it on eBay. And I have a 31 bag, which is like this, I don't know, Tupperware-type bag kind of company. And to get it, without me spending money, I decided to do a catalog party, and all these other women spent their money, and I got this bag for free. So, there you go. That's my answer. It's not short, but it's the truth. I think it's a great answer, and if I was going to sum it up, I think I would say that, that spouses from either angle need to talk about the positives more than the negatives is what you're mm -hmm. saying. The where we'll be when we get there versus why we're doing it because something could go wrong. Because the natural thing when you tell somebody that doesn't believe anything can go wrong or or wants to not believe anything can go wrong is to throw up the shields and put up a defense thing and say, no, it's not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. But when you're talking about how much better quality of life would be with them, that's not something people are as resistant to. So I think it's a great answer. And uh, we're about wrapped up here today. And I, I'd like to say thank you for being with us. I had a great time talking to you. And uh, I, I, I like getting different perspectives. And uh, you've given some great advice today. The concept of, of paying for things by being entrepreneurial. The concept of saving money when you travel. All of these things are great things. And I appreciate your contributions to the community. Welcome. And with that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Seeing our food these days, you know it's on our TVs. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Adios.